Hallelujah. Welcome, 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 welcome. Once again, we are excited. I'm excited. I don't know if you're excited or not. Some of you might be sleepy. You partied too hard last night. You hung over, whatever. We're praying for you in the name of Jesus. You're going to get that mess out you before you leave here. The Holy Ghost just take over and detox. Did I say that out loud or was I just thinking that in my head? Because I meant to just think it in my head. In the name of Jesus. So my very first message of this new year is going to start today and probably end somewhere in about May. Um, Because as I began several weeks ago preparing for my messages to begin the new year, I realized it was one message. But I also realized that I would start preaching it now and keep you here until Friday. So I realized that this was just one continual message. Precept built upon precept, line upon line, and it doesn't have a definitive end. As a matter of fact, it seems like as if every week as I was preparing new messages, and I'm already up into February preparing messages, it seems like that I'm still using principles that I preached three weeks prior, four weeks prior. And then there's this story. I'm not going to get to it this morning. There's this story in the Gospel of Mark and Matthew that it, 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 it's a common thread that just, it's going to continue to keep coming up and coming up and coming up. And I'm going to teach you a lot of things. There's two things that we're going to dive deep into this year. Are you ready? Okay. I know some of you don't, don't know who I am. You, you, you're, you're foreign to me. Or maybe you've only been here through ATM. We thank you for it. But I'm not the preacher that you saw during At The Movies. Uh, this is the spiritual me. This is the me that's diving into deep places with God and leading you into places that you probably aren't comfortable going at first, but then you realize this is where I need to be. And so I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm going to be laying heavy revelation on you. If you have a notepad, you need to bring it, but make sure there's like 500 pages in it. You're going to burn up a couple of pens. If you're going to be one of these people that likes to keep your notes in your, in your phone, you're probably going to need a stylus because you're going to wear your thumbs out. Because I'm going to be dropping a lot of revelation. I'm not bragging on myself. I'm not promoting myself. You know that's not who I am. I'm just telling you that I'm giving you the word you need to become the person you want to be. And it's not all going to happen this morning. It's going to unfold this week and then the following week and then the next week and it's going to be built and built and built and you're going to be dragging concepts and precepts that I taught you three weeks ago and applying them today because we're just going to... And, and I've, I've decided that I'm going to do something I've never ever ventured into doing. I'm going to make sure that I keep immaculate records and transcripts of what I'm preaching because it's going to be more teaching than it is preaching. And at the end of this year, I'm going to try to put it into a book form. And I'm going to attempt to, to give it out toward the end of the year uh, as, as something that you can keep tangibly. Because I believe in what this word is so much. Now, a lot of things have to take place in order to make that happen. But I, 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 I really believe in this word. It's deep. It is liberating it has already started transforming me it's all i've been doing this a long time i've been filled with the holy ghost with the evidence speaking in tongues i've laid hands on the sick seen them recover i've driven out uh, demons we even brought a man back to, to from the dead one time i mean i've seen some stuff but this is even changing and liberating me it's gotten down on the inside of me and 
opened my eyes to where I've said, I'm seeing things I've never seen before, and I'm, I'm, I'm finding truth in the, in the Scriptures that I, I, never, I never really paid attention to. So I began this concept with this sermon. And the title of this sermon is Stressed, Pressed, Blessed. Hey, stressed, Pressed, Blessed. I intended that this year I was going to be shorter on my messages. Well, I'm going to go ahead and tell you because you're laughing. This ain't that Sunday. And I'm sorry, ATM was over last week. We didn't give you any snacks. We were giving you popcorn and chocolate and stuff for the last three weeks. We didn't prepare any snacks. We probably should have brought a buffet out for this one. Because this is a big one. Um, I'm going to apologize in advance, but I'm going to say sorry, not sorry. Because uh, if, you, if you've been on a, I know a lot of people start the new year with a fast. If you've decided to start with a word fast, you're going to overeat this morning. Because I got a lot of word, I've got a lot of preaching, I got a lot of points, and I'm not going to cut it short because you need this. And, and some of you have come limping in, into 2023 out of a very difficult 2022. Some of you did not know what you was going to endure to get to this point. God has showed me through this story that we're going to share this morning, it's all been a setup. And you didn't realize it when you were going through it because when you're going through the steps, say them with me, say, stressed, pressed, blessed. When you're going through the steps, you can't see the next step. When you are enduring the present, you can't see the future. And what God has been revealing to me is, we have been in such a holding pattern because 2020 ruined our lives. It messed us up. Some of you lost loved ones. I'm not diminishing your pain. Some of you have never fully recovered from 2020 and it's 2023. You have been in a holding pattern. Your spirit life has been stopped up. I'm going to use a phrase a lot in the next several months. It's, it's had a cap on it. That will make more sense when I get to Mark chapter 9. I'm not there. I'm not preaching that this morning. But I'm going to use this terminology a lot. There has been a cap on your faith. There's two principles we're going to be preaching a lot about at Promise Victor. I'm just laying out the groundwork for you. Some of you may not want to come back next Sunday because you're like, right, that guy's too weird for me. But there's two things we are going to dive deep into this year. Prayer and faith. Because we are that church where anything's possible. We're that church. Yeah, I, you, you, some of you don't, don't know how, you, you came to ATM, you said, where's the movies at? Well, we're done with that. We're done with that. We, we're going to look at prayer more than we've ever looked at prayer. I'm going to have a workshop this year for, my, for, for people to come and learn how to pray for the sick. Um, I've already been in contact with a team to come in and do that. Uh, I'm going to start with my leadership team at, at our next uh, leadership rally. We're, we're going to be taking a 40-day uh, prayer crusade on your behalf. We're not praying for ourselves. We're going to be praying for you at the beginning of this year. We're going to do that. I've got the books ready and, and the teaching ready. And we're going to, we're going to begin this year by, by opening up heaven and asking God to move on your behalf. Because we're going to dive deep into prayer. And the reason we're diving deep into prayer is because there's been a cap on your faith. And I'm not satisfied with where we are. 
And I desperately, as the air in my lungs, want to get to where he wants us to go to. I'm not prone to hyperbole. That's not who I am. I'm telling you, I have been seeking the Lord. I have been begging God to do something just like what I see He's about to do. I've never preached these sermons before. I've never felt this intensity before. That's why I think I'm going to try to keep it in some sort of form to where I can get it transcribed and have it uh, in, in some sort of a manuscript to where at the end of this year, you're going to be able to hold it in your hand but I'm going to have some stuff that I'll drop out of Revelation that I don't have on the page. So you better keep your pens warmed up and ready. Are you ready for the word this morning? Say amen. Well, if, if you are, I want you to do something for me. We're going to honor the word of God this morning. Like we, like This is the first sermon of the new year. We're going to honor the word of God. We're going to stand in his presence this morning. And we're going to give him honor and praise. You know what the Gospels are? I'm going to treat you like grown folks. Is that all right? I, I've been, we've been in a holding pattern. I've been babying you. I've been going, now, now, you're cute. Come on. I've been doing that for a minute, but I'm going to start treating you like grown folks, okay? There's four Gospels in your Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There are not a lot of stories that you find in all four of those Gospels. Some are only contained in one of the Gospels. Some are in a couple, some are in three. There's not a lot of stories that are in all four. Our text this morning is a story that you can pull uh, from all four. I'm going to use three of the four Gospels this morning. We're going to start in Matthew 26. We're going to go to Mark 14, and then we're going to go to Luke 22. It's all the same story, but I want to teach you some things out of each one of them. Beginning with Matthew 26, verse 36. When Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, remember that name. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Mark chapter 14, verse 37. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. What did he ask them to do? Keep watch. He found them what? Sleeping. Anybody got teenagers? You tell them to do what? Clean your room and you find them? Yeah, you tell them to do anything, you find them? Yeah, except when they're supposed to sleep. Like when it's bedtime because they got to get up early and go to school. Uh, no, I'm, I'm not tired. No wonder you took a nine-hour nap today. He returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? You ever done that with your kid? Hey, you sleeping? Or you ever done that with your husband? Hey, you asleep? No, I'm just resting my eyes. Simon, are you asleep? Could you not keep watch for one hour? Watch and what? Watch and and there's a reason. See, when I joined the church way back then, they used to tell me you got three things to do: read your Bible, pray, go to church. But they never told me why I needed those three elements. I'm about to tell you why you should pray. Because we just use prayer like it's a key that unlocks every single door. 
But it's not. There needs to be purpose behind your prayer. There needs to be intent behind your prayer. There needs to be specificity behind your prayer because you can't just throw anything against the wall and hope it sticks. Listen to what Jesus said. Watch and pray with a purpose so that you will not fall into temptation. Why? Because the Spirit is willing. The Spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Say stressed. Has anybody felt it? He says the Spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Stressed. Jump over to Luke 22, verse 44. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly. He prayed harder. He got in anguish and he prayed harder. He didn't quit church. He prayed harder and his sweat was like great drops of blood falling to the ground. Say, pressed. Mm -hmm. Now Luke 22 verse 43. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. Say blessed, stressed, pressed, and blessed. You may be seated in his presence this morning. May he add his anointing to this, his holy word. I'm not going to get in no hurry this morning. I will turn around and, and move, and anytime you feel the need that you got to get up and leave, I'm just going to preach until this word's out of me, okay? I've been pregnant for some time. I feel like a nine-month lady up here, and I'm ready to get this thing out of me, okay? So, so settle in. And if you got to take a nap, you know, Peter did. It's biblical. Several years ago, I did something I said I would never do. I got on a big cruise boat. I said I would never do it because I read the Bible and nothing good ever happened to them boys when they got on boats. But my wife talked me into it. It was a Church of God event. It was a marriage retreat on, on a ship. And we went and we took this big cruise. And, and we, we landed. Uh, one of the stops was in Honduras. Now, if you've never been to Nicaragua or Honduras or any of the places over there, it was about 112 degrees when we got off on that concrete dock. And it had about 170% humidity. Like as soon as you stepped out on the concrete, all the moisture in your body just... And like you was just like, meat hanging off your skeleton. You didn't have no organs left or anything. Like all your moisture just left. It was one of those kind of things. So, so we, we got off the boat. And what you don't know about these places is that when you get off the ship, you're in like a touristy place. They have literally built a little town to make you feel like you're in America. But you ain't. We found out, we didn't know, we were going to these little shops and my wife and Dreamer was shopping and they was buying these little cute, oh look how cute this little shop is. But we didn't realize that that was all manufactured. That wasn't really Honduras. We found out when we found a bus that you could take a tour to the jungle. And it was a 45 minute bus ride through the slums or just the average city of Honduras. We saw what Honduras really looked like when we were going through on our way to the jungle. We went to the jungle where the monkeys and the birds are. 
because you could go play with monkeys and birds because that's how smart we are. What you need to know is the roads going into the jungle aren't like the roads around here. You think West Virginia potholes are bad? Oh, nay, nay. Those roads don't have any asphalt on them. They dirt. And, and, and they're not big enough for two cars to pass, especially if one of them cars is a bus. And, and, and they're winding, and, and, and they're extremely crowded. In the road are people walking, people riding skateboards, little kids riding bicycles with baskets full of fruit to go and sell, and they're out in the street. They're not on sidewalks. You know why? There's no sidewalks. They're all in the street with the cars. All of them in the road. Cars and motorcycles zipping in and out, passing each other, coming every direction. Some of them are coming this way because there's no painted lines. So some people are coming this way. Some people are coming. Some people are cutting diagonal. Whichever way they feel like going, they're all going. It wasn't safe. It wasn't safe. But nobody told our driver. He drove like a man looking to meet Jesus and was in a hurry to get there. He was zipping. He had this bus almost topping over. We're bouncing up and down. I mean, he is flying. He's on our side of the road. He's on the other side of the road. He's running little kids on bicycles off the road. I personally got saved three times on the way to that jungle. I repented of all my sins. I was confessing stuff I wasn't even sure I did because of this brother. <laughs> and, and once we got to the park, the park was beautiful. Like, once we got to the jungle, it was breathtaking. But the road to get there was one of the most difficult, gut-wrenching, exciting and fearful things that I've ever experienced in my life. And what I learned on that trip is sometimes the worst roads end up in the most beautiful destinations. And what God has told me about this new season, and if you've been with me any time, you know that I do not believe that God works because the calendar flipped. But I have been feeling in my spirit that God is stirring something for a new season. That this is not what we have been experiencing for the last two and a half years. Something new is available. We have been on a dangerous, fearful, exciting road where we have all gotten saved multiple times because the driver seemed to not know where they were going or how we was going to get there. But he has showed me that the most beautiful destination is ahead. And we've been traveling on this hard, difficult journey to get there. It's available. And it's my mandate. It's my job. It is my heavy spirit to get you to accept what's available. Because everybody's not going to take it. Some of you are going to walk out of this room week after week, week after week, month after month, and be exactly the same as you were in 2021 and 2022. But I'm telling you that better is available. You don't have to stay the way you've been. If you've been complacent, if you have been 
farther back than you wish you were. If you have sidestepped your calling. If you have missed the anointing. If you have missed the joy of your salvation. Better is here. It's not coming. There is something about this passage that I'm going to unveil to you this morning. And then we're just going to build and build and build. And I don't know how long this thing's going to take for me to get through it all. I I realized after about page 9 of my notes that I could have wrote a book. This is not a sermon. This is a new season. I've never preached like this before. You know me. I come every week. And last week I might have been talking about faith. And this week I might be talking about heaven. And next week we might be talking about hell. I mean, it's just, it's, it's whatever I have felt. That's the way I've always preached. This is different. This is different. Every week you're going to experience the same stuff, but in brand new ways. And it's just going to build and build and build because God has something beautiful. I, I just... He has something beautiful for the trouble that you have been through. All of the pain and the difficulty and the stress and the pressing. Some of you feel like Jacob, you have limped out of 2022 and barely made it to this far. I want you to know this is not, I want you to know that there's something beautiful right in front of you. God is still ahead of you. I know it feels like we have lost God in this last season. Where, where are you? Where, all this chaos and all this confusion and all the pain and hurt. Some of you have had to have felt like me. Like, God, where, where are you? And he showed me through this study that I've been going through. He is still in front of me. And i got to be honest with you, it kind of surprised me because sometimes it doesn't feel like God's in front of me anymore. It feels like I have lost Him. It feels like I, 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 I don't know where you are, but He showed me I'm right here. I've always been right here. And while we've been circling the runway wondering how we're going to get down, He's about to show us how to land. Can you just take a moment? I, I didn't plan on doing it. Can you just take a moment and just, just close your eyes and just come into a place where you come into agreement with the Holy Spirit? And that you, you, don't have to, you don't have to be loud and pray out loud if you're not comfortable doing that. But can you just come into agreement with the Holy Spirit and say, Lord, I need this word from me. I, 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 I need to know that you're in, with me. I need to know that the tough road I've been on is leading me to a beautiful place. <sighs> Fill me, Holy Spirit, with your presence in your word my God in the name of Jesus let me jump into this sermon and I don't know how long this is going to take me is it, are you alright you, you, you can get up and leave anytime you want to but I'm going to preach this thing the spirit is willing but the body the King James version uses the word flesh in, in, in several weeks I'm going to have some illustrations up here concerning this um, that, that, that's going to help Bring some of this into a real perspective for you. I'm going to have some illustrations up here about the body. The the spirit is willing. The body, the flesh, is weak. Say stressed. Uh Uh-huh. So Jesus warns them, if you don't pray, you're going to fall into temptation. Hmm? That's what he said. Am I right? He warns them three times. 
to pray against temptation. They failed. Uh, And Jesus spends three hours in prayer and he persevered. They didn't pray. They lost. Jesus did pray. He overcame. I just did a whole lot of preaching right there. Because some of us wonder why the road we've been on has been so hard. And it's because you knew to pray. But this is not some now you lay me down to sleep mess. Jesus prayed until his blood came out of his pores. Can I tell you a secret that preachers don't want to talk about in 2023? The greatest weakness of your flesh has always been the greatest source of your stress. It's not the boss. It's not your husband. It's not your wife or your kids. The weakness of the flesh is always the greatest source of your stress. Pastor, you don't know what they did to me. Can I tell you, you can work with anthrax if you're dressed right. You can walk on the moon if you've got the right clothes on. That's why Paul said don't leave the house without the whole armor of God. So it don't have anything to do with what they did to you. The greatest uh, weakness of your flesh. In other words, what they provoke in you is in you. See, some of y'all won't come back because you get mad. That's all right, because you're going to take this one with you anyway. Here we are, we sit in church on Sundays, we want to follow Jesus, we want to obey the scriptures, but there is this conflict that goes on on the inside of every soul. It's the war between the spirit that is willing and the body that is weak. And the conflict between these two is going to become a very big theme that I'm going to preach on in the weeks and months to come. This is the most pivotal point of Jesus' ministry. It wasn't when he fed the 5,000. It wasn't when he calmed the sea. This moment in this garden, and by the way, this is not a vegetable garden. This is not an apple orchard. It was a very specific garden. It was an olive grove. That's going to become important in a few moments. This is beginning the last 48 hours of Jesus' life. Jesus went into an upper room with his disciples and had what we call the communion supper. We also call it the last supper. The reason we call it the last supper is because of what's about to happen to him. Judas is about to betray him. The Pharisees are going to falsely accuse him and have him arrested and the Romans are going to crucify him. Within 48 hours of him being in this garden, are you hearing me? Within 48 hours Jesus will be dead. He will be crucified and give up the ghost in less than three days. And Jesus, who is fully God, but also fully man. The Spirit is willing. The God in Him was willing. But the flesh in Him needed to pray. He was fully God so He could see and unpack what was about to happen. And He knew 
he had to get his flesh under submission to his spirit. My The God in him, the spirit in him saw what was about to happen in 48 hours. So he knew that he had a weakness called the flesh that needed to be brought into submission. And the only way to do it wasn't to come to promise of victory and fall out on the floor and flop like a fish out of water. That's good and handy, but that is not going to get you your breakthrough. Do you understand me? It is not to come up to this altar and let me get this bottle of oil and dump it all over you. That is good and has its place. But I could put enough of this oil on you to fry fish, and it will not give you a breakthrough. When you've got to get this body under submission to this spirit and that spirit, you need to learn to pray. Yeah, yeah, we want it easy. We want to come up, get somebody to touch us and anoint us and fall out and everything be all right. Doesn't work that way. Because the Spirit is willing. But my God, this flesh. I'm going to be real transparent, real vulnerable, but I'm also going to be in your face and stomping on your toes. I got 14s. These are brand new shoes. And, and they come in hunting for some folks. So either you need to wear steel toes or tuck them up good and tight. Because I got, some, I got some big tracks to leave. Because I'm telling you, every person that comes to church and tries to serve God has this problem. Every one of us. Now, he, he goes into such intense prayer because he is wrestling with the harsh reality of what the Father has asked him to do. You need to understand what his garden experience was because you're having one too and what happens in the garden is he's going to decide whether he's going to do what God wants the spirit's willing but it's here in the garden where he has to decide am I going to do what God wants or what the flesh well, he was Jesus. Of course he was going to do. You ever read your Bible? Because when the soldiers showed up in the garden to arrest Jesus, Peter takes out a sword and cuts Malchus's ear off. Jesus. The Son of God, who was also the Son of Man, picks the ear up and heals. And he looks at Peter and he says... Don't you know, I could have chosen not to do. You don't understand. I'm talking about Jesus. Jesus said, if I hadn't have prayed for three hours, my flesh could have made my choices for me. I didn't have to go through with this. I could have chickened out could have quit. I could have gave up. I could have gave in to temptation. You gave in to temptation and went to sleep. I could have given in. Jesus, me! And if Jesus can give in to temptation because his flesh would have weak. What's that say about you and me? Jesus told Peter, I could have chosen differently. How many seasons of your life has started well, started with good intentions. The gyms are packed tomorrow. 
Can't find a machine at the gym nowhere. People using them wrong. Upside down on a machine you're supposed to be using for arms and stuff. They don't know what they're doing. But everybody's going to get in shape. Everybody starts out with good intentions in January. I'm going to get my finances in order. You ain't even balanced your checkbook yet. You don't even know where your checkbook is. You don't even know what bank you... If that card tells you you got money, you spend it. I'm going to get my finances in order. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to clean out my closet. I'm going to clean out my garage. I'm going to paint the house. Everybody starts out with good intention. How many of your spiritual seasons have started out well? You had good intentions. You were going to read your Bible. You were going to pray. You were going to attend church more. You were going to do this. You were going to do that. And the Spirit is willing... But this flesh, this meat suit that I carry around, wars against everything that I know is right. Everything this book tells me, everything this conscience tells me, everything he tells me, this body is weak. And Jesus said, I have to make a decision not to let my flesh make my decision. And if it was important for Jesus... That's what lives at the core of your greatest temptation. Will I do what God wants or what I want? And this is especially troublesome for some of you because some of you don't know what you want. I see your Facebook. I've known you 17 months. You've been in love 15 times. Single, in a relationship. Single, in a relationship. Single again, in a relationship. It's complicated. Single. I'm like, you're not very good at this. Like, like if, you, if you have not figured it out any more than that, you might want to pump the brakes and say, I need some training. Like, if you wrecked that many cars, you'd have to go to driving school. Or, we think we want something till we get it. Some of you ask for a marriage. We used to have a dog that used to chase cars. And I always wondered what would happen to him if he ever caught one. Then I seen it happen. Once he caught it, he didn't know what to do with it. Because it flipped him all the way down the street. He bit that tire, that tire threw him, and it flipped him over the hillside down into the creek. Some of you called a marriage, didn't know what to do with it when you, once you caught it. You started asking God, get me out of Egypt. And he got you out of Egypt. And you said, man, I sure do miss some onions on my burger. Crazy as a bed bug we are. We got no idea what we want because we ask for things we can't handle once we get them. I want, I want good, successful children. And then they grow up, move out, become good, successful children. And you're like, I wish my babies was home. 
You, you don't want to be alone. You're single. So you pray, God, send me that man. He is so tall, dark, and handsome. I love him. And then three months after the marriage, you look over there. He's got his mouth open, flies up around his nose. He's got a mustard stain on his shirt. And you're like, I could go over there and smother him, and nobody would ever know that it was me. When the flesh takes over, we have no idea how to handle the blessings God gives us. People crack me up. I want the church to grow, Pastor. I want the church to grow. Be careful what you ask for because once the church grows, everything changes. Because you don't get as much of my time as you used to. You don't get to set where you want to. You don't get to park where you want to. We run out of parking a long time ago. Sometimes we have to go to two services. Sometimes we got to ask for more help. Sometimes we got to ask for more giving. But you wanted the church to grow, remember? Then all of a sudden everything gets stressed and strained. Well, I wanted it to grow, but I didn't want it to change. You can't get a goldfish and your life not change. Somebody's got to get home and feed the goldfish. So we can't, we, we often don't know that when we're praying, we're praying in the flesh. Because we're trying to satisfy what the flesh desires. And that's where the stress comes in. Jesus said, pray or you'll fall into temptation. Some of us are praying to receive our temptation. Some of us have temptations that we want so badly, we're praying for them when we're supposed to be praying against them. We're praying, God, bring that person into my life, and they're the temptation you need to avoid. Listen, God's not, give, he's not interested in giving you somebody that's going to pull you away from Him. He, I, I know you need finances, but He's not interested in giving you a job that's going to make you work every Sunday and you're always going to miss church. He, I, 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 know, I know that you want more uh, help in your life, but He's not interested in bringing help to your house that's going to steal from you, that's going to cause you to fall into temptations, that's going to cause you to get into the bottle. He's not interested in bringing I know you needed help, but not that help. So some of us aren't praying against temptation. We're praying for temptation because we're praying in the flesh. I told you I'm going to be dropping some heavy stuff on you. You're not used to this kind of preaching. We ain't done this in a long time. When Jesus had his 40-day sabbatical out in the wilderness and the devil came to him to tempt him, he looked at Jesus and said, I know you're hungry. You ain't ate nothing in 40 days. You see all these rocks? If you really who you say you are, why don't you turn these rocks into bread? So today is the first day of the new year, and I usually always start the new year on a fast. Forty days from now, if I ain't ate nothing, and the devil comes to me and says, won't you turn these stones? I'm glad Jesus wasn't Pentecostal back then. Or Baptist. Because that whole hillside would have been full of bread. <laughs> would have looked like Texas Roadhouse over there. Every log that was fell would have been a log of butter just running all the way down. Streams of golden goodness all the way. That honey butter would have been running right down. We'd all been, look at what I have done. The Lord is good. Won't he do it? He said, turn these stones into bread. 
And do you know when you play, pray in the flesh, that's what you're trying to do? You're trying to turn things into something they are not. So you're praying for Bill. You're praying for Tommy. You're praying for Janet. You're praying for Susan because you're trying to bring that stone into your bed. Because you want them, but have you ever asked the Spirit what it wants? My amen committee just resigned on that one point right there. The devil said, turn these stones into bread. Jesus' answer, because he was praying in the Spirit, was, I don't care how hungry I get. I ain't eating no rocks. I don't care how hungry I get. I'm not taking that job. I'm not going to that house. I know I am lonely, but I'm not bringing that stone into this house because that's not what my spirit is in line with. When you are stressed, you can't trust your conscience. Relationships look mighty tasty when you are lonely. If somebody will whisper sweet nothings in your ear and hold your hand a little longer than they should have, they will talk you into debauchery. All because you are hungry for attention. The Spirit is willing. This flesh is trifling. Y'all ain't ready for this. <laughs> Whole lot of words I could have used there. Trifling was the least offensive. I'm sorry. But I've been around a minute. I know what these bodies are capable of. I know what we lust for. Oh, by the way, let, let me just turn your attention here because some of you think that this is not me. James chapter 1 verse 13. You want to blame your mama? You want to blame your daddy? Uh, let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil and he himself does not tempt anyone. But each one, that's you. That's not your neighbor. I'm talking directly to you. Each one is tempted when he is carried away. Anybody ever got carried away? Have you ever done something and then blamed it on being? Oh, I just got carried. Some of y'all get up next morning doing the walk. Can we be real? Some of you get up the next morning with the walk of shame, not knowing where your left shoe is. And you blame it on, I just got carried away. And that is your flesh talk. Because the Bible says the reason you were carried away was because of your own lust. It's not that you was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Did that contribute to it? Absolutely. But the wrong place at the wrong time had to find something in you. It's your own lust. You got enticed because there's something in you. The spirit is willing. This flesh 
has lusts. Oh, I got needs. Yeah, you do. And you better learn how to get them under control. Because your greatest stress is not who you are married to, who you work for, the government, who's in the White House. That is not the source of your greatest stress. The source of your greatest stress is the fact that you have never learned how to bring this flesh under submission. And you are constantly at war trying to love Jesus but hold on to this mess that you created. And you want to blame everything else for the stress that you're under. And it's not them. It's in you. And if you're not careful, you will fool around and marry a rock. Because you think you can turn them into bread. You will fool around and move in with a rock. And wonder why you got little rock babies running around. And the only reason you did it was because you was hungry. Something in you. You ever been on a diet and you go to the refrigerator and the only thing left is leftover pizza? Now there's something in you. It's called hunger. That's a real thing. It's, it's real. It's fleshly. But it's real. That's why I like to begin the new year with a fast. Because that is your spirit telling your body you ain't under control here. I'm the one that's going to dictate what we do and how often we do it. And you stand there, and the longer you look at that leftover pizza, and the hungrier you get, the more you start rationalizing some stuff. It amazes me what people will come up with. You can, you can talk yourself into some mess now. Well, you know, the tomato sauce is made from tomatoes, so that's basically a vegetable. And, you know, cheese is made from milk, so, you know, that's dairy, and it's low-carb. If I take a napkin and dab all that grease off the top of it, it's practically a salad. You have to be the most cautious when you are the most hungry. You have got to be the most intentional about having your spirit take charge when you are the most vulnerable, which is when you are the most hungry. So the question that you have to answer for yourself is, what am I willing to do to get what I want? But in order to answer that, you have to first answer the question, what is it that I want? Because that scripture said, there's a lust inside of me. And if I want the lust, I'll do a whole lot of nefarious things, unholy things unrighteous things, ugly things, to get it. What am I willing to do to get what I want? But if what I want is to fulfill the will of my Father, what am I willing to get what I want? Am I willing to lay down my desires? Jesus' prayer was this, Nevertheless, not my will be done what am I willing to do when I'm stressed to satisfy my hunger you about to come into a new season listen I'm not one of these prosperity preachers I'm sorry I wish I was because they fill up great big arena 
I wish God just didn't give me a conscience and I didn't understand the word. I just get up here and tell you how blessed you'd be and just giving this offering and send me a, a prayer slip and I'll sweat on it and give it back to you. But make sure you put a check in there. I mean, I wish I could do all that. I do. They fill up great big arenas. But I, I read the Bible too many times. And when I read the Bible, here's what I find out. You have exactly what you wanted. I have the level of God that I settled for in my life. Right now, standing in front of this congregation, I'm telling you that if I wanted to be more holy, I would be. If I wanted to be closer to God, I would be. If I wanted to spend more time in His presence, I would have. Oh, but I got to do this and I got to do that. I'm not telling you you don't have to do all those things. What I'm telling you is you have exactly as much Jesus in you that you've sought for. What are you willing to do to get what you want? And whatever that is, is going to be determined by what it is that you really want. The Spirit is willing. That flesh needs more than gym time. Good, bad, right, wrong, holy, unholy, righteous, unrighteous. The decision is yours. What are you willing to do to satisfy your hunger? Somebody say stress. Mm-hmm. Stressed. Somebody say pressed. After you've won the battle against temptation, which by the way, you ain't there yet. You, you, you still got some things you need to work through. But once you do, you go into the garden... And the garden is the place where you have passed the temptation from the enemy. The the, the devil was trying to tempt you. But when you get into the garden, you find out the devil is not your biggest opponent. Once you get into the garden, you find out if it's not a witch, a hex, a curse, a generational problem, if it's not a demon or a devil, it's actually me. That's actually standing in my own way. That's what you find out. It's in the garden where you have to fight you. And what I'm going to be teaching you in the next several weeks, well, I won't teach all of you because some of you mad at me and won't come back. But the rest of you that do venture back, what I'm going to be teaching you is when you get ready, because I know some of you are fighting mad. I'm mad about this season. I'm mad about the temptations. I'm mad about the devil taking all my stuff. I'm mad, and, and, and I'm going to come in. Let me tell you, when you get ready to lace up those boxing gloves, you better realize you're about to give yourself a bloody nose because it ain't always the devil that's been standing in your way. Sometimes your problem is you. And that's in the garden. After you've been stressed by the devil, Jesus asked the Father, if there be any other way. Because the Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Jesus said, Father, if there be any other way for me to get what you want for me, If there's another way for me to get your blessing than to go through what you're showing me, show me what it is. But if there's not, then I want it more than what my flesh wants. See, 
This is the place for all the people that won't listen to nobody else. Because you thought you could get all of God and get Him your way. You want the calling, but you don't want the cup. This is for all the people that says, I want it. But I don't want to go through anything to obtain it. I, I don't want to suffer. I don't want to fight. I don't want to knuckle down. I don't want to roll up my sleeves. I, I don't want to have to endure hardness like a good soldier. I just want God to snap his fingers and make everything okay. But that's not the lesson of the garden. Because God said, this ain't Burger King. If you want what I got for you, you won't have it your way. You're going to have to go the way I show you to go. And that's why I put a spirit in you that is willing. If all you had to work with was your flesh, it would not be fair for God to demand of you to follow Him. But God puts a deposit of His glory inside of you called the Holy Spirit. And that spirit is not controlled by you. It's always willing. James 4, 8 says, If you draw close to God, God will draw close to you. How can he make such a determination? Because he said your spirit always wants to be connected with your father. And some of you come to church on Sunday and that's your greatest strength for the week. And the reason it's your greatest strength for the week is because by the time you leave this room, your spirit has been replaced as your guide. And you're chasing the flesh all week long. This is why you're pressed. Let me show you something. Gethsemane is where some of us start trying to bargain with God. God, I want your favor, but I don't want to have to sacrifice. I don't want to put in the sweat equity to do anything, but I want this highly favored lifestyle. I don't care how many posts you put on Facebook about how this is my year for breakthrough. You ain't been to church in four months. It's not that simple. We have relegated God to a catchphrase. And we think he's supposed to just show up, blink his eyes like genie, and give us the desires of our heart. When we haven't pursued him, David said, like the deer needs a drink, I need his Holy Spirit. Like, like a deer can't survive. With, if I don't get more of God, I won't feel like I can take another breath. I need God more than I need anything else. And if you're not there, stop trying to live this highly favored lifestyle. I don't care how many big TV ministries you sent offerings to. It doesn't work that way. And what ends up happening is because, is because it didn't work for you, you end up depressed and angry with God because what you asked for did not happen. Can I tell you it is sad that it seems easier to be depressed than to change? Do you know how sad it is that you could be happier being depressed over what you feel like you lost than to challenge your mindset and make the changes necessary to appreciate what you presently have. We walk into church every week and walk out depressed 
because we didn't get what we wanted. All the while ignoring the blessings that are standing right in front of us that God already showed us and delivered to us. And we don't even pay attention to them. Now Gethsemane, as many of you know, literally means a place of pressing. Somebody say stressed. Say pressed. That means Gethsemane was an olive grove. Let me help you. That is a place where the oil is excreted from the olive. It's a place where the olive comes in one way, but because of the pressing, it leaves a different way. Uh huh. Oil is energy. I don't care what all the Tesla drivers tell you. Oil is energy. Oil is light. Oil is heat. Oil is valuable. However, oil has to be extracted. And the process is painful. The oil that is part of the, the oil is the part of the olive that survived the crushing. The oil is the part of the olive that survived the press. When the olives were put into a large stone canister, they would run something called a grinding mill over it, and it would mash the olives down. It would press them. And then they would come along and gather all the mashed up olives into a basket. And the basket would have slots and holes in the bottom of it where the oil could drain. But it wasn't enough that the oil drained. They pressed it. Now I'm about to drop some knowledge on you, okay? Because everybody wants the oil. But everybody forgets how it's made. Uh, because the pressing, I ain't used a sweat rag in a while, y'all. I'm, I brought it today. I knew I was going to lay some heavy stuff. The oil is the part of the olive that survived the crushing. And God told me that this year, God's going to do it with what you have left some of you have been in the season of pressing for a while and you thought the pressing was going to kill you but God told me to tell you that he's going to take what's left of you and get his glory out of what is left what survived what survived the pressing is what he's going to extract his oil from. But here's what you need to know. It costs what it costs. And it never goes on sale. The pressing is intense. It is painful. It's excruciating. And sometimes it will make you feel like you would rather quit than go on. But there's no out clause. There's no blue light specials. It costs 
what it cost. Because if you want the oil, if you want the anointing, it's supernatural. And it can't be manufactured because you got comfortable. It has to be crushed and pressed and extracted because the spirit is willing and what's inside of you has to get through the unwilling flesh part of you and it can only happen when you get pressed down and pressed down because what's on the inside of you has to get pressed out of you because you already know your flesh ain't willing your flesh doesn't want to go through the process Jesus went into the garden under tremendous pressure. And so we begin this new year, and some of you are beginning it under tremendous pressure. Your finances are under pressure. Your emotional health and stability is under pressure. Your marriages are under pressure. And that's what the garden is about. Deciding whether or not you are willing to endure the pressing. Because God passes us through the pressing in order to bring out the flow of the oil. I know I've been preaching a long time. I've got a timer up here that says I've been going one hour and one minute. And I told you I don't care. God brings you through the pressing not because he wants to hurt you, not because he don't love you, but it's the only way to get the flow. And we confuse God sometimes because we come to his house and we say, God, use me. I want to see things I've never seen. I want to experience things I've never experienced. We confuse God because we tell God things like that. And then when we get in the pressing, we say, my God, quit. Stop this. Well, I thought you wanted the oil. I thought you wanted the anointing. God anoint me to cast out devils. God anoint me to heal the sick. God anoint me to help marriages. God help anoint me to raise these kids. God anoint me to keep this marriage together. I thought you wanted the anointing. Because it costs what it costs. And it never goes on sale. And the only way to get the oil to flow Somebody say pressed. See, an anointing oil was used to anoint prophets, kings, and priests. It wasn't put on everybody. It set certain people apart from everybody else. It wasn't cheap. It was used by intention. And if you want to be anointed, it will make you different and peculiar, and strange, and not like everybody else, not like the ones who jumped out before the pressing was finished. So there's some people that you come to church with, and they love Jesus, but they ain't willing to endure the pressing. There's, there's some folks that are good people, and I'm not telling you cut them out of your life, but I'm just telling you that just because they jumped out don't mean you should. Because they quit too soon doesn't mean you should. 2 Corinthians 1 and 21 says this, Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God. God has anointed you in Christ. He offers you an anointing on your life. That means there's something in you that makes you peculiar. 
There's something about you that everybody else doesn't have that's working for you. And they don't like. Because as Bishop Jake says, favor ain't fair. And when you are anointed, you'll walk into a room where there is total chaos and peace will enter the room because you brought the anointing with you. But when you are anointed, people will, instead of you having to open doors and try to get the money, people will chase you down and say, is there any way I can invest in your business? Because there's something about you that's not like everybody else. Instead of you having to go out to the bar and find some stone to bring home in your bed, you will find a godly, righteous person that will come and say, I feel like the Lord would have me to invite you out to dinner. Because there's an anointing on you that makes you different. But the anointing is the difference between the best you can do and the best God can do in your life. And everybody wants the anointing, but everybody forgets how it's made. Somebody say pressed. So they would collect all the olives that they had mashed out of this stone basin. They would put them in baskets where the oil could drain. But it wasn't enough that they would drain. It had to be. Somebody say three. There are three pressings. The first pressing was for the house of God. Because God always gets his first. The second pressing was to be used for medicinal purposes. To bring healing. The third pressing was the pressing that you would use to heat and light your homes with. Because every pressing, the oil got a little more diluted, wasn't as powerful, wasn't as potent. So the first pressing went to God. Second pressing went to heal. The third pressing, you got to take home. That, that was the three pressings of the olives. So get this, this was the, pre- this was the process. They would press it, And they would take that oil to the house of God. And then they would stop pressing. That that feels like relief. I'm glad that's over. Oh, but here comes another one. And they would press out more oil. And that oil went to to the medicinal doctors. And then they would quit. My God, that's twice. I'm glad that's over. But here comes another one. And some of you know what that feels like. Am I lying? Here was a pressing of the pandemic. And just about the time you felt like that was over, here comes the pressing of political under. And just about the time it felt like that was over, here come your family becoming dysfunctional. And just about the time you got some relief from that and said, thank God that's over, here come an Does anybody know what it feels like? Because anybody can endure the one pressing. All of us are good with that first pressing. All of us are good when when, when the Spirit just gets pressed on us and we, we feel like, oh, thank God that's over. But it's when we get pressed and pressed and pressed and pressed, that's when we start feeling like, is this ever gonna end? Many of us can handle the single press, but it's the never-ending process where we seem to struggle. So how do we handle it? Jesus showed us in Luke 22 and 44. He prayed more earnestly. In other words, when the pressure increased, 
his praying intensified. Great pressure can only be countered by a greater pursuit of God. When you feel pressure, your natural inclination is to back away. You stop attending church, you stop reading your Bible, you stop praying. But that's not how you, that's not how you get through the pressing. How you get through is you got to chase God harder then than you ever did before. So there's this myth that people use when they want to sound spiritual, and maybe you've heard it. Well, you know, the Lord will never put more on you than you can bear. I don't know who made that up, but it ain't in the Bible. Because as a matter of fact, the whole, the whole content of the Bible was you couldn't bear it, so a man named Jesus had to come along and bear it on your behalf. Because no matter how good, how strong, how powerful, how mighty you thought you was, it was never going to be good enough. And Jesus, as a matter of fact, God will intentionally put things on you to press you, to show you you shouldn't be bearing stuff. He will put things on you you can't bear just so you can learn that you should not be trying to bear it alone. Once the oil was pressed, say pressed, it was ready to be used. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to read the scripture, but over in Exodus chapter 20, um, there's, there's a passage that tells you the ingredients, or I'm sorry, Exodus chapter 30, there's a, there's a passage that tells you the ingredients to make the anointing oil. And what you'll find out, that the most plentiful ingredient is something called myrrh. And the reason that's important to my message this morning is because myrrh is what we call an oxymoron. Myrrh is what gives anointing oil a sweet aroma. But when you taste it, it's extremely bitter. Everybody wants the oil. But we forget how it's made. In order to get the sweet smell, we had to put in large portions of bitterness. You don't get the sweetness until the bitter has been pressed in. And we want to avoid the bitterness. But what God does, Romans 8, 28, He takes all that sweet stuff that He gives to you and He crushes it. And He takes all those promises and He crushes it. And He takes all that faith that you have and He crushes it. And He takes all of that worship that you offer and He crushes it. But that's not all that goes in. Romans 8, 20 says, 8, it says, all Things work together for good. It don't say all things are good. It says that even the good, the bad, and the ugly, they all work together because he also gets in the, the pot of your life and he mixes in 
the bitter, that backslidden child, it goes in there. Those problems in your marriage, it goes in there. All that stuff you tried to avoid, it goes in there. And he crushes it, and he crushes it, and he crushes it. And the only way that the oil ever gets sweet is by the bitterness being crushed and pressed. Because God refuses to waste your pain. There will never be a season of your life that God throws away. Hear me. There will never be a time where God says, Oh, you wanted to act like a fool? You wanted to be an addict? I can't use that. There'll never be a time that God looks at your life and says, you went through a divorce? I I can't use that. There'll never be a season where God says, you know that season where you were hooked on pornography? I can't do nothing with you with that. There's never a moment of your life that God has not pressed into your story. And if you want the sweetness of the oil, It has to include the bitterness of the flesh. Because he says, I'm going to blend it and blend it and blend it until you will forget that there's anything bitter in it. By the time I blend this, it will be such a sweet smelling aroma, you will forget that the bitterness was even added to it. Luke 22 and 43. An angel appeared to Jesus and strengthened him. Say, stressed, pressed. An angel appeared to him and gave him strength. Blessed. Uh Uh-huh. And I feel like the Lord is sending some strength this morning. I know I've preached a long time. One hour, 14 minutes, and five, six, seven, eight seconds. Some of you need the strength just to endure this sermon. But I, I feel like the Lord is sending, even while I've been preaching, sending strength to somebody who wanted to quit back there. Somebody who wanted to throw in the towel because the pressing got so intense. Because the stress was more than you could bear and you wanted to quit. And you thought certain of these pressings were going to kill you. But what God sent me here to tell you on this first Sunday of the new year was it was actually releasing the anointing. You thought it was going to kill you. Releasing the anointing. The devil should have killed you. While he had you defeated, while he had you suicidal, he should have killed you. Because when you walked out of that pressing, you don't even know it yet, but there's an anointing that's coming with you. And the aroma 
of that oil is starting to fill the atmosphere. And that's what this season is about. That's why this, I told you that blessings are available to you. Because you didn't die in the press. And now you are about to be victorious over stuff that for the past season you thought was going to kill you, but it didn't. And because it didn't, you are more empowered. You are more beautiful. You have an aroma. You don't even pick up on it. But the devil knows that you are anointed. And that's why he tried to keep you from getting to this moment. Because what was in you has been pressed out of And the kingdom of darkness wanted to keep you from getting to this point. I realize it feels a lot of times like you're running on empty. And like you ain't got nothing left. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? So, some of you... I, I don't feel like I have a lot left to pour out. Wednesday, I'm going to preach in one of the most prestigious church of gods in the world. And I can't get excited about it because I, I just don't feel like I got, I feel like I'm on empty. I'm, I'm going to preach in one of the most prestigious church of gods in all the world. One, this, if you mention South Cleveland Church of God, anywhere in the world, it's a flagship church of God. I'll be preaching there Wednesday night. And I can't even get excited about it. I feel like I'm running on empty. Here's what the Holy Spirit showed me. He didn't show it to me just for me, but for you too. God doesn't pour into full containers. When you're empty, that's how you tell God where to fill you up. When you run out, that's how you tell heaven where to start pouring out onto your life. Because if you're walking around full, that means you haven't given anything away. So when you're full, you need to be serving God's house. You need to be giving of your finances. You need to be encouraging your neighbor. You need to be helping the lost and the lowly and the beat up and the destitute because the more you give away, that's a flagship to heaven to say I'm empty. I need a new filling. Is there anybody in the house this morning that knows you are empty and is ready to get filled? My God, are you ready to get filled up? My God, my God, my God. I want you right now to lift your hands toward heaven if you're physically able to. And if, you, if you're serious, if you're serious, God, fill me up. Hey, you don't need me to lead you into this prayer. You just start asking God, God, fill me up. God, fill me up. I've been so empty for so long. God, fill me up. I've used up everything you gave me. I came in this church this morning wondering if there was anything left in me. And now I realize I didn't have anything left because you wanted to fill me back up. Do it, Lord. You know what your hand raised to heaven is? That's a conduit for the Holy Spirit. 
That's heaven recognizing your fingerprint. Nobody looks like you. Heaven looks down and sees your fingerprints and knows exactly who you are. He's identified you sitting there with your hands raised to heaven. And he knows exactly who you are. You've got your fingerprints lifted up. That's your identity marker. That's letting God know who you are. And heaven is looking down saying, Feel, feel, feel. If you can receive it right now, the Holy Ghost is ready to fill you in this place. Hallelujah.